You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. on a daily basis, never tiring of Him, always being strengthened by Him, being filled with Him because He becomes our sustenance. When we eat, we're able to face the challenges of life. And believe me, there are many challenges out there. But when we eat of His flesh, when we drink of His blood, when He becomes part of our innermost being, those challenges seem to fall down. We seem to be overcomers because we're abiding in Christ. He is our portion. He is our bread. And in Him is life. God is the bread of life. In today's message from Pastor Dave, you will learn the importance of abiding in Christ. When you abide in the Lord, you are strengthened. God sustains you emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Pastor Dave encourages you to spend daily time with the Lord. Let His presence fill you with abundant life. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 6 as he continues his message, Difficult Doctrine. You are Jesus knew that they would understand the reference to manna. He knew that they would understand the reference to manna because their forefathers talked about the manna that fell from heaven, the manna that was given to them. And they even referenced it when they were talking to him back over in the scriptures. Our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven, thinking that Moses was somehow responsible for the bread. But you know, it's not really difficult to picture Jesus as the manna. But it's a mysterious thing to the Jews. I mean, after all, what does manna mean? What is it? That's what manna means. What is it? So it was a mysterious thing to them, too. Jesus declared that he was the bread, the heavenly bread that came down. Interesting, he uses this phrase that came down from heaven, the heavenly bread, seven times in this sermon. Seven times alone. He declared him to be God, and hence the difficulty got higher. Jesus is declaring that he came from heaven. And as Jesus is speaking, the dissension is building among the Jews. In each phrase, he continues to claim his equality to God. Jesus was talking about being the bread of life. He said in verse 49, your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they're dead. Now, they had no problem believing this because this was true. This was scripture. They knew it to be true. But then in verse 51, he continues with this figure of speech, this metaphor about eating and drinking, it was common in Jesus' day because it pointed to one thing that Jesus was trying to say. It meant taking one into the innermost part. Taking one into the innermost part. And you can see their dissension in verse 52. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves and saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? How can this man give us flesh to eat? Jesus had just explained to him that the bread was his body and that it would be as a sacrifice to the whole world, the body being sacrificed. They twisted his words, and they thought it implied cannibalism. They thought it implied being a vampire. Now, why would this be so difficult from them? Think about it. Why would this be so utterly difficult to them? Because of the law. They were not supposed to eat 
human flesh according to the law of Moses. They were not even supposed to touch blood according to the law of Moses. So right away, this became a difficult doctrine. Right away, they started backing up and said, whoa, man, yo, what are you talking about? But I love the way Jesus responds to their complaints. Look at 53. Jesus then said, most assuredly, verily, verily, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Wow. Now he responds by speaking even more boldly. He's really coming at them now. He, he has them on the run, and he knows it. He knows where their minds are going. He said, okay, I'm going to go in, and I'm going to really hit them hard. Unless you do this, you have no everlasting life. You have no life at all. He amplifies his point. My flesh is the blood. My flesh is the blood, and I'm going to lay it down for your life. My flesh and blood. I love what Guzik said about this. I've got to include a Guzik quote in most of my messages. Quote, bread of life is a metaphor. Bread from heaven is a metaphor. Living bread is a metaphor. Bread of God is a metaphor. Get the point? It doesn't surprise us that Jesus extends the bread of metaphor to his actual soon-to-be sacrifice on the cross. He's trying to get something across that's spiritual, but they can't receive it. To them, it's difficult doctrine. To them, their heads are spinning because they can't fathom it. The statement's like, for my flesh is food indeed, and my body is drink, in verse 55. This placed a question in their minds. They couldn't understand this by listening. They didn't have the strength or the faith to believe. It was a hard saying, and they wondered who could understand this. <laughs> it seems like the more they got confused, the more Jesus slammed them. The more Jesus came in, the more confused they got, the more he hit him. He said, you think you're confused with that one? Listen to this one. He says in verse 56, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And I can just see them sitting there going, what? What's he talking about? What is going on with this thing? What's happening here? Now, he was not literally talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Let's move that on, okay? He wasn't talking about that. And I'll be bold, bold to add, he wasn't talking about communion either. He wasn't talking about communion either. The biggest thing that leaves communion on the side is when he says, if you do this, you have eternal life. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say, unless we take communion, we have eternal life. That's not true. That's not true. Jesus was talking spiritually. He knew what his earthly mission was. He knew that he would die on a cross. Jesus knew that suffering was necessary and his death would benefit all mankind. He knew that. He also knew that it was up to mankind to believe. See, I always say that God did his part marvelously. God did everything. God did everything. He arranged to come to earth as a man. He, he arranged for this man to go to a cross and die for the sins of the world. He arranged all that. He did all that. He resurrected this man on the third day so there could be the possibility of everlasting life. He did all that. The work is completed. And we all have to do something. What can I do? Okay. Believe. No, 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 no. What do I have to do? Believe. You're not listening to me. No, no, you're not listening to me. Believe. How many times did Jesus have to say, believe, have faith, place your faith in, trust in, cling to, rely on? He knew it was up to mankind to do that. He wanted people to believe upon him for eternal life. He could become a part of him, and they could be a part of Jesus. 
it doesn't get much clearer for me anyhow, and I'm pretty thick-skulled, but when Jesus prays mightily in chapter 17 of John, we'll get there in the next millennium, <laughs> Jesus prays this. Listen to what Jesus prays for in chapter 17 of Gospel of John, beginning in verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also those who will believe in me through their word. What does he pray? That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. That's Jesus' prayer. By eating his flesh and by drinking his blood, we become one with Jesus. He abides in us. This is a literal thing, according to the Jews, and their mind is blown. They have no idea what he's saying. But Jesus says, you don't have spiritual eyes because you haven't believed in the Son of Man. You haven't believed in God. You must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. You must be born of the Spirit. If you're not born of the Spirit, you cannot see spiritual things. These things don't make sense. But the invitation is still open today, folks. But some people today still think it's a hard saying. It's a difficult invitation to believe and accept. We become part of Jesus when we accept the fact that he sacrificed his life on the cross for our sins, when he died on that cross that day, taking the sins of the world upon himself. We believe that when he rose from the dead three days later, when he was resurrected, we believe these things, that God has shown us a picture of the life that we can have with Jesus, the resurrected life. And once we've accepted these facts, we need a life which is in accordance to what he tells us in his word. In other words, we follow his directions and teachings and permit him to guide us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he wants from us. Many people today are like the people that Jesus was talking to when, they were, when he was walking on earth. They don't like the words, eating my flesh and drinking my blood, because they're thinking worldly and not spiritually. They're thinking in a worldview. They refuse to believe that there's life beyond earth. A lot of people don't believe in life beyond earth. They believe that when you die, you die. That's it. That's all there was. The words, he who eats this bread will live forever, doesn't seem to have any meaning to them. These people refuse to hear it because it's hard. Now, I will admit that none of us understand the word of God fully, but we accept it by faith, as I had said. And some things are easier and more clear to understand than others. But then on the other hand, there are many things in the world that we don't understand. And you have to go to Isaiah when he said, when God was speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. There's things we're not supposed to understand. But we believe, we have faith. And Jesus closes his message by referring to his flesh. And this is the declaration that the Son of God will give himself as a sacrifice for the life of the world. This is a key doctrine in the Gospel of John, the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. This is a key doctrine. The cross is a key, key doctrine. Please, do not limit the work of Christ on the cross. Do not limit the power that can be had when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and when you accept the work that he completed on the cross. Do not limit it. Do not limit it. And don't limit it to you and your family or a few people, maybe just the people in here. No. The Scripture said, for God so loved the world. He loved all. Don't limit the power of the cross. Do not limit what transpired on that cross that day. Don't minimize it. Don't think about it other than the fact that it happened for all mankind. The Jews were horrified at this notion of drinking Jesus' blood and eating his flesh. 
This was simply anything that could go wrong against the commandment of God. But this is a blatant example of people not understanding spiritual things. A blatant example of things looking for things literally instead of spiritually. The reality of what Jesus was saying is quite simple. Just as you take food and drink into your bodies to nourish your physical body and make it through, you need to take my flesh and my blood into you to have spiritual life. Simple. In other words, you need to become part of me. What's the prayer when we pray when we're saved? Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. I'm going to partake of him. I'm going to take him into my innermost being. I'm taking you in, Lord, to my innermost being, being, and we're going to become one. That's the prayer. We must receive him. But as Jesus continued to drive the point home, the dissension grew and grew and grew because they were hung up on the physical. They didn't understand the spiritual. There's an interesting thing that the human can survive on bread longer than any other substance. Did you know that? And although it's baked in different ways and fixed in different ways and forms, if you go to every country in the whole wide world, bread is a substance that they eat. Some sort of bread is eaten in every single country and every single culture in the world. It's very palatable. Most of us probably eat bread every day in some sort of form or another. John Corson, in his commentary, wrote this really cool, intriguing aspect of Jesus' identification with bread. It's the way bread made. He begins by saying, it starts out as a seed planted in the ground. And after weeks of cultivation, it grows and matures. Then it's cut down. It's ground up and placed in a fire. And once it's thoroughly baked, it's enjoyed by humans. When you look at it closely, this becomes an analogy of Jesus' life. He started as a seed planted by the Holy Spirit in Mary. We're going to celebrate that in a couple weeks. We call it Christmas. Miraculously, God came forth and was born as a man. And his name was Jesus because he would save his people from his sins. He grew, he matured, but then he was cut down. He was cut down. He was grounded up as they spat upon him, as they cursed him, as they beat him, and as they nailed him to a cross. He was placed in the fire when God turned his head from him, and the wrath of the world came upon him. The sin came upon him, and he took it upon himself and experienced God's wrath so we wouldn't have to. Beautiful analogy. You know, we have the opportunity to eat of him daily. We have the opportunity to partake of his goodness on a daily basis never tiring of him, always being strengthened by him, being filled with him because he becomes our sustenance. When we eat, we're able to face the challenges of life. And believe me, there are many challenges out there. But when we eat of his flesh, when we drink of his blood, when he becomes part of our innermost being, those challenges seem to fall down. We seem to be overcomers because we're abiding in Christ. He is our portion. He is our bread. And in him is life. Jesus is the bread of life, and he wants to be the priority of your life. He wants us to partake of him on a daily basis, to take him into our lives constantly, to rely on him, to hope in him, to allow him to wash us by the water of the word, to refill us afresh and make us new. Jesus is telling us today the same thing as he was telling the Jews of this day. It's all about him, his life, his work, and there is an assurance of eternal life that awaits you. Think of that, eternal life that awaits you, that awaits us. Those who have tasted Jesus' goodness, those who have tasted his mercy and tasted his grace will find everlasting life. Here's the cool part. 
as we finish up this section in, in verse 59, it says, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. These people were hearing Jesus' message in church. They were hearing Jesus' message in church. He was teaching them spiritual things, but their minds were on worldly things, and therefore the people were considering a hard teaching. As just as you're being taught today in church, where is your mind now? Where is your mind now? Are you thinking spiritually? Are you thinking physically? Are you thinking about your belly that's probably growling because it's been a while since you've had breakfast? Are you thinking about the Beagle game? I mean, the Eagles game? I did that on purpose. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Are you thinking about what's going to happen? Oh, we got a guy in an Eagles shirt down here. I love that. There you go. What are you thinking about right now? Is, is, this, is this a hard saying or are you just saying, you know what, I'll, I'm just going to let this go by and I'm just going to get out of here and, you know, and I'm just going to go do my thing. Well, where's your head right now? Is this a hard saying? Many people find it to be a hard saying. And it's true of some of us today, you know. When someone stands and preaches the word of God and it strikes some people where it hurts, they tend to criticize the preacher. They tend to criticize who's teaching. Or I get, what I get all the time is when you bring a friend here and I teach what I'm usually teaching, I have no idea who your friend is, they come up and go, you told them all about me. You told them everything was happening in my life. How dare you do that? I can't believe he used me as his examples. I don't even know that one. Husband and wife may appear to be true each other in church, but there's something wrong in their marriage and their lives. A person a Sunday Christian, but in business. He's a cheater. He's a liar. He's someone who does wrong in his business advantage. He takes advantage of other people engaged in fornication and adultery. And when the preacher talks about these issues, they get offended. It becomes a hard saying. They get offended. How dare you talk to me like that? You're directing the message at me. No, it's scripture. I'm directing it out like this. Here it comes. People don't like to hear the, the preaching on. I said we can't mention sin. We're all sinners and falling short of the glory of God, folks. There's no one righteous, no, not one. Not you, not me, not them, no one. No one. If sin offends you, stand offended. I'm guilty as charged. Sin, sin, sin. People take sin lightly. There's something going around on Facebook about the, the seven sins that are becoming more palatable in the churches. You should read the list. It's disgusting. But people find messages as hard sayings. They find messages as hard sayings. They become difficult doctrine. And when that happens, they usually get upset and they leave the church or they start amongst themselves getting angry but they don't realize that they need to take it in and allow it to do something in their heart. And if there's something that needs to be changed, they need to change it. That's why the Word of God is speaking. It's alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, able to cut between the bone and the marrow, able to cut to the heart of the matter, able to cut into the things that are disturbing us, that are bothering us, the hurtful things. The hurtful things. Jesus wants people to understand his mission in the world. He wants them to know that their eternal destiny depends upon their acceptance or rejection of him. Jesus is using the illustration of eating and drinking so they can understand. 
See, again, I go back to Jesus being the great teacher. He knew how to get to their hearts. The issue was not eating and drinking food. The issue was eating and drinking his blood spiritually. Jesus knew what was on the people's mind. He knows what was in the people's heart. He knew that some would reject him. When we find out next week, we're going to find out that it was a lot that rejected him. A lot of people walked away. And he knows which one of you have rejected him as well. You can fool me. You can't fool him. He sees right into your heart. You can come in here and you can talk hallelujah. Yeah, you can talk all the Christian jive you want, you know, and be all holy and raise your hands and sing great songs and look great pious. But he knows your heart. Don't be a Sunday saint, Monday ain't. He knows. Jesus knows who is his and who is not. My challenge to you today is that if this has been a hard teaching, my challenge for you today is to search your heart. What is Jesus telling you in these messages today? We need to apply the messages to our lives. If we fail to apply the messages to our lives, then we become just like the Jews of that day, and it becomes a difficult saying, and we close our ears. Jesus wants you to apply this to your lives. He wants you to take him in. He wants you to take him into your innermost being. He wants to become one with you, and then you become one with the Father. He wants to be one with you. We do that by accepting the sacrifice on the cross. We do that by saying, Jesus, you're my Savior. I'm a sinful man, but you came to earth for me. You came to earth. Make it personal. Make it personal, because he did come to earth for you. Make it personal. He came to earth for you. He came to earth for me. He came to earth for the whole world. If you haven't done that, if you have not done that today, oh, brothers and sisters, my heart is toward you, and I want to see you saved and have that abundant life that Jesus was talking about. If you have not accepted that today, please, don't leave here without making that declaration of faith in Jesus Christ. Do not leave here. Don't let another second go by because we have not been promised a tomorrow. We haven't really been promised the next minute. Please, if you haven't made that decision, please accept by faith today the greatest gift ever given in this gift-giving season. Paul says it's the indescribable gift, a gift that we can't describe. We can't describe this gift because it's so glorious, it's so beautiful, it's so wonderful. We can't describe it. But it's a gift that he has given to you freely. Partake of this gift. Take it into your heart, take it into your innermost being, and become alive again. Stop being a walking dead. Start being alive in Christ. Start walking in the abundant life that he has died for to give you. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.